Can we expect to see Russia and the UK at odds from Bible prophecy? Ezekiel 38 indicates that we can. And in this week's Bible in the News, we will consider Britain and Russia in that prophecy. Hello, this is Matt Davies joining you. Ezekiel 38 is a fascinating prophecy because it outlines to us the state of the nations in the latter days. This phrase, the latter days, is very interesting to consider. When we come across phrases in the Bible which repeat, it is because God, through his inspiration of his prophets, is revealing something for us to consider. The latter days is a signpost phrase. It is referring to a specific time in history. Consider what the Bible has to say about this time period of the latter days. Firstly, the people of Israel will have returned to their land after a period of dispersion, Hosea 3 verse 5. We have prophecies about other nations, for example, the nation of Moab, the area of Jordan, would be restored after a time of non-existence, Jeremiah 48 verse 47. We read that Israel will be victorious over their Arab neighbours in Numbers 24 verse 14. In Daniel 10 verses 14 and then chapter 11 verses 40 to 45, we read that a power to the north will attack Israel but will come to his end. Israel will face a time of tribulation also during this time of the latter days, which will cause them to reflect on God. Deuteronomy 4 verse 30 and 31 verse 29 and Jeremiah 21 verse 20 and 30 verse 24. But most interestingly, in this time period of the latter days, all of these things eventually end up with the kingdom of God on the earth. Because we read in Isaiah 2 verse 2 and Micah 4 verse 1 that in the latter days, God's law will go forth from Zion and all nations will obey it. The prophecy of Ezekiel 38 also has a lot to say about this time period of the latter days. It's mentioned in verse 16, so we know that Ezekiel 38 is indeed a revelation of events which will take place at the same time or during the same time period as the other passages we have referred to. Like the other passages, we see the latter days as a time period when Israel has returned after a period of dispersion from their land. The prophecy focuses on the mountains of Israel, which is the modern-day area of the West Bank. It mentions the Jews who lived there as living in places which were desolate places that are now inhabited, verse 12. The inhabitants are those who are gathered out of the nations which have gotten cattle and goods that dwell in the midst of the land. Therefore, this is speaking of our times. The state of Israel came into existence in 1948, And the Jews have been settling in the area of the mountains of Israel ever since, much to the disgust of the nations of the world. We know, therefore, that we are living in the latter day period, the time when ultimately a great conflict will take place with the regathered people of Israel. But that will end up with the coming kingdom of God being established on the earth. Ezekiel 38, like Daniel 11, tells us of a great invading force which comes from the north. Ezekiel 38 verse 15. 
What is interesting about it is that it gives us the names of the nations who will be involved. The names, though, are the ancient names of those nations. We are told that the invading force is headed up by a mysterious man called Gog, and that he is the Prince of Rosh. According to the Hebrew scholar Gesenius, Rosh is a proper name of a northern nation, mentioned with Tubal and Meshech, undoubtedly, says Gesenius, the Russians, who are mentioned by Byzantine writers of the 10th century under the name of the Ross, dwelling to the north of the Taurus Mountains and described by Ibn Foslan, an Arabic writer of the same age, as dwelling on the river Ra, or, or the Volga. Another scholar called Clyde E. Billington Jr. states, Historical, ethnological and archaeological evidence all favour the conclusion that the Rosh people of Ezekiel 38-39 were the ancestors of the Rus, Rus people of Europe and Asia. The Rosh people who are mentioned in Ezekiel were well known to ancient and medieval writers by a variety of names which all derive from the names of Tyrus and Rosh, those Rosh people who lived in the north of the Black Sea in ancient and medieval times were called the Rus, Ross, Rocks or Rossi from very early times. From this mixture with Slavs and with the Varagian Rus in the 19th century, the Rosh people of the area north of the Black Sea formed the people known today as the Russians. Clyde E. Billington Jr., The Rosh People in History and Prophecy, Part 3, Michigan Theological Journal from Spring 1993. Now, from this evidence, Gog then is the leader of the Russians. Currently, the leader of the Russians is one Vladimir Putin. Putin recently won another election as Russia's president, which will keep him in power for another six years. Now, we are not saying that Putin is the Gog of Ezekiel 38, but he is certainly showing the same ruthless aggression and tactical intelligence that we might expect from Gog. Gog, though, may still be waiting in the wings, learning from the behaviour of Putin as Russia becomes great. In Ezekiel 38 verses 1 through 9, we read of Gog aligning Russia with other nations to invade Israel. Also with Russia are Persia, Iran, Ethiopia and Libya, northern African countries, Goma from Western Europe, Magog from Eastern Europe and the House of Tugama or the Turkic nations. The British power is also in Ezekiel 38, but is not with the attacking force who comes against Israel. They are found in verse 13 under the name Tarshish. There are some very good biblical and historical reasons for concluding Britain is Tarshish. Looking at the clues we get from the Bible, we can see that Tarshish is a trading power operating in the region of Sheba and Dedan, or the modern day Gulf states. We're told that in Ezekiel 38 verse 13. Also in Ezekiel 38 verse 13, we read that there are political young lions with Tarshish. That is, nations who are now independent of their Tarshish mother lion. We therefore conclude that Tarshish is a colonial power, but those colonies have grown up to become independent powers in their own right.
From other parts of the Bible, we find that the Tarshish people are descended from Japheth and an area which is an island or a coastal land, Genesis 10, verse 4 to 5. It is thought that descendants from these men immigrated to the far west of Europe. In passages such as 2 Chronicles 9, 21, Psalm 48, 7, Isaiah 2, verse 16, 23, verse 1, 60, verse 9, and also in Ezekiel 27, verse 25, Tarshish was known as an ancient maritime power. Some of the oldest boats ever discovered have been found in and around Britain. Tarshish was an ancient trading power who um, was active in global markets and in the past particularly traded with India. 2 Chronicles 9 verse 20 to 21 uh, teaches us this. In Isaiah 23 verse 6 we also read a prophecy of how Tarshish would take over from the trade of Tyre, the ancient Phoenicians. And from Ezekiel 27 verse 12, we can see that in ancient times, Tarshish was a source of silver, iron, tin and lead, and it traded these with the ancient Phoenicians of Tyre. These metals are located in abundance in Britain, and there is abundant evidence that they were mined and traded in ancient times. When you piece all of these things together, it would appear that only Britain fulfills the requirements of the biblical clues of who Tarshish is. But what does this Tarshish power do in Ezekiel 38? Well, two points here. Firstly, Tarshish is on an opposite side to the Ross power. And the second point is, is that when Russia and her confederacy invades Israel, the Tarshish power can only say, Art thou come to take a spoil? Hast thou gathered thy company to take a prey, to carry away silver and gold, to take away cattle and goods, to take a great spoil? Verse 13. Although they pose this question, it does not appear that, they, that any action is or can be taken against the aggression of Gog. Therefore, we can expect from these two points that in the time period of the latter days when Israel have returned to their land, a distancing of the powers of Britain and Russia will occur. We can expect Russia to be dominant and aggressive, and Britain, although having the pride to verbally stand up to the Russian power, to not have the teeth to do anything to stop an invasion from Russia into Israel. The events in the news we are witnessing indicate that these predictions from the Bible are holding true. On March the 3rd this year, a 33-year-old Russian lady called Yulia arrived in London from Moscow. She was there to visit her father, Sergei Skrupal. Mr Skrupal was a former Russian double agent. Sergei Skrupal was jailed by Russia for spying for Britain but released as part of a spy swap between the US and Russia in 2010. Apparently, according to the Evening Standard, he had recently written to Vladimir Putin and asked to be pardoned so he could visit his home country. On March the 4th, Yulia was in Salisbury in the south of England and met up for a drink with her father, Sergei. At about 2.20pm, they went to a pizza restaurant and two hours later, 
they were found on a bench outside that same pizza restaurant. A member of the public was calling 999 after seeing the pair in a terrible condition. They were showing all the symptoms of a serious poisoning and it was doubtful the pair would survive. The next day, Wiltshire Police declared what was happening as a major incident. Boris Johnson, the UK Foreign Secretary, declared that Britain would respond appropriately and robustly if Russia was involved. On March the 12th, the British Prime Minister, Theresa May, gave a speech and revealed that the scruples were poisoned with a Russian-made nerve agent called Novchak and called on Russia to give a credible response. She set a deadline for Russia to respond, but they chose not to. The Prime Minister said that there were two possible explanations. She said, quote, either this was a direct act by the Russian state against our country, or the Russian government lost control of this potentially catastrophically damaging nerve agent and allowed it to get into the hands of others. In a news report by The Guardian, it was reported, quote, May made clear that she believed that there was already a backdrop of a well-established pattern of Russian state aggression, listing the illegal annexation of Crimea, violating European airspace and a sustained campaign of cyber espionage and disruption, including meddling in elections and hacking the Danish Ministry of Defence and the Bundestag, among others. She also spoke of the extrajudicial killing of terrorists and dissidents outside Russia and the murder of Livinenko. End quote. After the deadline was ignored, 23 Russian, quote, undeclared intelligence officers, end quote, were expelled by Britain. Many other nations condemned Russia and expelled diplomats in solidarity with the UK. Britain has not shown their evidence that the nerve agent was Russian, and this has led to some in the international community condemning Britain. Russia denies all connections with the attack. But the game continues, though, because on the 7th of April, the BBC ran a report entitled Russian Spy Embassy Request is Diversionary Tactic, says UK. The report has come after Russia has asked for a meeting with the UK to discuss the incident. The report stated, quote, the Foreign Office has described a Russian request for a meeting with Boris Johnson on the Salisbury poisoning as a diversionary tactic. The Foreign Office said Russia's response had been unsatisfactory as it had been three weeks since Russia was asked to engage constructively. The Russian embassy said it was high time for a meeting on the inquiry. Current interaction between the embassy and the Foreign Office was utterly unsatisfactory, it said. The Foreign Office said it would, it would respond to the invitation for a meeting between Ambassador Alexander Yavenko and Foreign Secretary Mr Johnson in due course. It said, It's over three weeks since we asked Russia to engage constructively and answer a number of questions relating to the attempted assassinations of Mr Scruple and his daughter. Now, after failing in their attempts in the UN, an international chemical weapons watchdog this week, and with the victim's condition improving, they seem to be pursuing a different diversionary tactic. End quote. So we watch with Bibles in hand, and we see that the Tarshish power and the people of the Rosh are indeed on separate sides, as we would expect from Bible prophecy. As the great conflict of the latter days comes closer, the pieces are being arranged so that the nations can take their place, 
just as the prophets of old stated that they would by the power of the living God. We are in the latter days. We are witnessing the formation of the nations as the prophecies of the Bible have predicted. We'll end this week's Bible in the News by quoting from Isaiah chapter 2 and remind ourselves of other events which will soon unfold on the world stage in the latter days. These are descriptions of the coming literal and physical kingdom of God, which Jesus Christ will soon establish on the earth when he returns to sit on the throne of his father David and the kingdom of Israel is once again restored. The signs are there to warn us and also encourage us that soon the reality of that kingdom will be here. And it shall come to pass in the last days that the mountains of the Lord Yahweh's house shall be established in the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills and all nations shall flow unto it. And many people shall go and say, come ye and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord Yahweh to the house of the God of Jacob and he will teach us of his ways and he will walk, we will walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord Yahweh from Jerusalem. He shall judge among the nations and shall rebuke many people and they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation neither shall they learn war any more. Isaiah chapter 2, verses 2 to 4.